0: Chapter 7 Legis, Jada jumped from her chair. I didn't hear you come home. I would have prepared if I'd known you would be arriving this early. Legis only smiled and waved her down. Oh, I just came to collect some papers to return to headquarters, but I'll be sure to make myself available tomorrow. Is this another luncheon? Jada nodded speechlessly. Great, Legis continued. I'll be able to handle some things in the morning before I meet you both back here by midday. He looked at them both carefully and then blurted, Okay, let me head out. I won't interrupt your chat any longer. With that, he smiled again, turned and walked away, leaving them both in stunned silence until they heard the front door close. Milo looked up at Jada with tears in her eyes. How much do you think he heard? The pit in Jada's stomach climbed up her chest and into her throat. Could be nothing. Could be. Everything. Jada knew the latter was far more probable, and at the very least Legis' suspicions would have been raised. However, his reaction was the complete opposite of what she'd expected. It only served to confuse her further. Maybe he didn't hear anything at all? Milo's voice was wistful as they stared at each other. But even if he didn't, how'll we be able to tell Vlad and Zora about Toma Tamar beneath his watchful eye? Elian slowed her breathing as she returned from the tunnels, having endured another mostly unsuccessful attempt at breaking Julian's spirit. Since the first time she'd gotten him to say that as she was returning days ago, he'd found a new source of strength and clammed up. Elian could only assume that Jael was the reason. Jael did not always give her words to every person who could hear her, but Elian was convinced Julien had received specific messages that he'd refused to reveal. The city was far more formidable than she'd anticipated, with a loyalty to Jael that even the Order's most renowned priests and priestesses would have likely lacked in his position. She needed to figure out a way to get through to him, and fast, as Jael's words were the only ones with the power to foil her plans. Lost in her thoughts as she ascended the stairs from the damp darkness below, Elian jumped when Toma called out, running behind her. "'My High Priestess, I've secured the prisoner as instructed, but I wanted to catch you before you left. I apologize again for blurting things out as I did in your office.' I happened to be on my way to see you when the ring suddenly shuddered. I knew you wanted a report on such incidents right away. It felt like a blessed coincidence. Tomo was two steps behind Elian, so he didn't see the way her eyes progressively rolled to the back of her head with each word of his excuse. Sometimes Elian wished she had the power to strike down every incompetent member of the Order with one flash of the Royal's lightning. The problem was that most of the Order would then be dead, and there would be no soldiers to help her carry out her plans. "'Hi, priestess?' Toma pressed for a response. Elian knew his need for acknowledgement and general neediness as a person, created a different kind of loyalty in Toma. It wasn't the kind that fueled Julian through his absolute belief in Jael. Instead, it was grounded in Toma's deep insecurities and resulting desperation to please. At the very least, it was enough to keep him in line and keep his mouth shut about the Order's inability to hear Jael's voice.' Most of the priests and priestesses were convinced that the others in the Order could hear Jael while they lied about their ability to do the same. Only a few among the High Priests and Priestesses had banded together under the fact that this secret was a disempowering threat to the influence of the Order over their world. It was part of the reason the Order sought the destruction of the Earth colonies. Their power and an ending drive to reveal the truth about the Order would destabilize the political structure and cause a revolt. Sighing, Elian eventually murmured, do better next time, Toma. It is normal for most to make mistakes, but we cannot afford many more of those in the crucial times to come. Yes, High Priestess, I won't fail you again, Toma gushed, relieved to receive what he thought was a pardon, his hundredth, if he were honest with himself about the regularity of his shortfalls. Elian knew better than to believe him either way. As she dismissed him and walked to the temple gardens, she found herself strolling out of the grounds and making her way to the city's center. There... In the middle of it all stood the Goldberg Sphere. It represented Giles' presence on the new earth, but for most of Elian's life she'd been suspicious of how exactly the sphere transmitted Giles' voice and from where. The Order's technological quests had unearthed the understanding that the spheres were receivers and translators of the frequencies in which the spirit spoke. Converting those frequencies to sound seemed relatively easy in the equation she'd come to love. However, limiting those sounds to the ears of the chosen ones, or even just one among them, was a mathematical mystery that eluded her since she was 17 years old. Staring at the sphere now, an unfettered hatred arose in Elian. She never knew why Jael refused to choose her. She had held Jael on a pedestal since she was just a wee one, praying every morning and night to be chosen among her vessels. When she was 16, she had a dream that she would awaken on her 17th birthday to the sound of Jael welcoming her into the elite fold. She boasted to her fellow juniors that her dream was a premonition, an early gift from Jael. However, when she walked to silence on her birthday, she determined that her lifelong prayers had been rejected by a merciless being. Too embarrassed to admit that her dream didn't come true, Elian claimed her place in the priesthood by manipulating her way into the Chosen Ones. She internally justified her decision by questioning who had the right to decide and proclaim that Jael had power over the entire universe without even a drop of remote evidence. She saw herself as a protector of the Order, looking out for them and defending them from the possible evil manipulations of Jael. Elian never reflected on those subconscious projections. She didn't want to see herself that closely. Instead, she externalized a quest for freedom through science held tightly under the guise of spirituality. Her belief in her self-assigned mission had catapulted her into several positions of power as she climbed the Order's hierarchy. Soon she became so influential that no one dared to oppose her commands. She alone scripted the words from Jael for each Eleven, as no other member of the Order dared to pretend that they could hear Jael in the way Elian did. Through those false words she scripted, Elian had advanced her plans decade after decade. Her act was so persuasive that the Order's members were convinced of her divine connection despite the secret lack of their own. Completely lost in thought again, Elian didn't notice the small crowd that had gathered to observe the rare casual sighting of the Order's High Priestess. When she felt a slight tug on her robes from a wayward child, she finally became aware of the attention she'd brought on herself. "'Is Jael speaking to you now?' the little girl asked, pairing up with the widest, most innocent eyes Elian had ever seen." Somewhere in her heart jolted as she saw herself being that age, staring in wonder at the sphere with more hope than any child should be allowed to feel. Elian was about to teach the girl a lesson by throwing it in her face that a commoner like her would never hear Giles' voice and therefore should never forget her place as she had in posing a direct question to the high priestess. When she paused, Elian had somehow found herself unusually speechless. Shaken by her incapacity to release the savage words from her mouth, Elian yanked her robe from the little girl's hands and stormed off to the gasps of the crowd. Zora paced back and forth in her room, waiting for Vlad to return as he'd promised to do hours ago. He had disappeared down a corridor that his elite guards prevented Zora from following, but the next time she checked, no one was there and the hallway was a dead end. Zora knew the palace was likely filled with many hidden passageways but she didn't appreciate that Vlad still had secrets when the rest of them had none. She knew Jael wanted them to work together, but she couldn't bring herself to trust Vlad completely. Trust is earned, she muttered begrudgingly to herself. As if on cue, a knock resounded at the door. ''Where the hell were you?'' Zora spat at the sight of a slightly disheveled Vlad. He grinned in his predictably annoying way. ''Missed me, sis?'' Don't evade the question, Vlad. Where does that corridor lead? You're keeping secrets when we all agree to lay our cards on the table. No, you said it was time for you to do that. These are matters of state, royal matters, that require my attention. And these exist way outside the scope of our mission. Zora's face turned bright red. Nothing is outside the scope of this mission. Every piece of this puzzle is connected, and when you withhold a piece, you put all our lives at risk, including Jada's. Vlad jerked slightly at the sound of Jada's name, but his eyes narrowed at the use of his attraction against him. I may feel obvious affection for your sister, but I am not some helpless lamb at the mention of her name, he quickly retorted. Still, perhaps you do have a point. If you must know, I went to get a confirmation report on some of the Order's technology and ego. We have a hidden portal within the palace so that the royals can keep track of the movements of the Order without officially registering our entries. I guess that's how your elite guards are here, Zora asked. Yes, they've been here for quite some time, dismantling the hidden devices the Order sought to install before I took up residence. We initially thought they had turned one of our own to access such technology. But, upon examination and Milo's revelations, we know now that they are dangerously advanced in their work. I had sent everything to Ego for analysis, but I wanted to hear the trajectory of their advancements from our lead engineer firsthand. And you thought this intel was outside the scope of our mission? Zora spat. No. You just didn't want me to know about your hidden palace portal. Let me guess. You're afraid I'll ask for return entry to the Earth Calls so I could bring some of my warriors up here to fight. Vlad grinned. It would indeed be better if you don't put me in a compromising position. The Earth Calls are still seen as the mutual enemy of the sky, whether you've sided with the Order or Royals. No one knows of our little allegiance, not the Royals on my end, and certainly not the other commanders of the Earth Calls. They may not share your... Foresight in withholding their wrath against us? You mean for the thousands you murdered ten years ago with your technology? Yeah, it's fresh in everyone's heads. But our overall mission is to free the people from the control of the Order and... Yes, the commoners, Vlad interrupted. I know. But as for your plans for the Order? And the royals? Are you willing to share what my fate would have been had we not met under the will of Jael? Zora fell silent. What Vlad had implied wasn't a lie. While freeing the people was the Earth Colony's mission, the eradication of the royals and order had long been seen as an acceptable price. Their usefulness to the planet wasn't even up for debate as everyone had agreed humanity would progress far more without them. Zora hadn't expected to intersect with a royal on her mission, much less the king of the Sky Colonies himself. She couldn't imagine the impression it would make on Pigeon and Pute, much less the other commanders. Raya alone would have been the one to truly understand. She would have worked with Zora to get others on board with the greater mission had she lived. "'Your technology killed my best friend in the climb up here,' Zora reminded him solemnly. "'If I could come back from that and still join with you, I believe I can convince the Earth Calls to do the same.' Vlad shook his head. "'I am sorry about your friend, but I disagree. You've forgotten that you only joined with me because Jael told you to do so. Can everyone in the Earth Calls hear Jael?' "'Definitely not!' Well, you were able to, late in life. What if... Zora now had the look that eclipsed her face whenever she stumbled on her most incredulous ideas. What if there's a way for everyone to hear Jael? Literally, everyone. Vlad stared at her, dumbfounded. Uh, I'm not quite sure that's how Jael works. She's always been selective since humans were brought to this earth. Yes, Zora agreed. But what if that's not her will? What if this sphere was meant for everyone to hear her and that was the purpose of the Order and the Royals? What if the early scientists and engineers were brought here to work with those who could hear Jael so they could program the sphere and make her accessible to all? Instead, the Order held on to the power of her voice, the royals held on to the power of technology, and everyone else suffered as a result. Maybe that's our true mission, Vlad, and maybe that's why Jael wants us to find the other city. Perhaps when the cities join together, we'll be able to open a spiritual element in the sphere that the royals can then program. No one would have the advantage over anyone else anymore. Come on. Don't give me that look. It's a solid theory. The best we've got. Vlad didn't like the notion of an equitable world for all, but the report he'd gotten from Ego on the technology of the Order was far more damning than he'd let on. All the Royal's influence was now nullified in ways that made him wonder what exactly the Order was waiting on to overthrow them. If the Order had all the Royal's advantages, perhaps Zora was right. The last move they could make to destroy the power of the Order was to give every soul unconstrained access to the voice of Jael. Okay, sis, you have my attention, Vlad smirked. Let's level the Order's playing field once and for all. A dusty, bloody hand appeared at the top of a large rock formation. Another joined the first and pulled a trembling body up. Then, a gasp resounded from the petite frame as the view of all that lay below blurred into clarity. The earth calls, Tamina whispered. After spending five years in the caves, it had taken her another long five years to journey through unspeakable things to find her way here. When her family had betrayed and abandoned her with only a map leading to those very caves that had almost killed her, Tamina had sworn she would find a way to exact her revenge upon them. In the instant she had entered the caves, she was immediately overpowered by the suffocating darkness of the creatures that dwelt in them. In those seconds of being torturously stripped of her sanity and humanity... Jael's voice could have become Tamina's comfort and strength. Instead, Tamina chose to reject the goddess because Jael had never warned of the impending doom. She resigned herself to death, but, just as her final breath was about to escape her body, a creature cried out with the darkest shriek for all to stop. It had uttered one word thereafter. Sidi. Her breath had been returned to her in exchange for the dedication of her life force to the creatures. Every day they sapped more and more for connected power to despair, mourning through their yearnings for Jael's words. Their only satisfaction was the elements within Tamina's body that sparkled to their eyes when Jael spoke to her. Tamina had been there when Vlad came back for her. She observed him time and again when he left her fresh supplies as though it could ever make up for what he'd done. Tamina never touched them. She didn't need to. The creatures constantly poured back into her with a strange substance that sustained her. It left her without hunger, without loneliness, and soon, without compassion. All she felt was a consuming need to destroy everything and everyone, just as the creatures did. It was she who dealt the final death blow to her parents five years ago when Vlad had delivered them to the caves. The creatures had come to the New Earth a few millennia before the humans arrived. From their original planet, their raiders had picked up on strange frequencies from the spirits in that universe. When they'd found a way to activate a portal to the New Earth... Some among them felt an irresistible pull to leave their homeworld and settle there. The portals had remained open, so they were able to transport their technology and examine the planet's natural resources through their superior devices. The creatures were the ones who built the spheres so that they could interpret the frequencies coming from the various spirits. The first time they'd heard Giles' voice was a celebration like none other as hers had been the most powerful frequency among them all. When she spoke, their bodies sparkled with strange sensations, flooding and filling them in indescribable ways. The celebration of Jael was meant to last three days, when suddenly, on the second day, all portals to their homeworld inexplicably closed. The creatures tried for a hundred years to reopen them, but soon had to face the reality that they were trapped on the new earth. As in all civilizations, politics arose among them as to who should lead, resulting in the first civil war. Families were torn apart and many lives were lost. With the most valuable asset being Jael's voice, their top scientists staged a desperate coup and reprogrammed her sphere to only allow those scientists to hear Jael. The hope was that their people would be forced to listen to reason and find a peaceful way to coexist. And only then would they have returned Jael's voice to everyone. Their hope was hopeless. The creatures did indeed unite, except against the scientists, murdering every single one in their rage. When the dust settled, they realized what they'd done, but by then it was too late. No one knew how the scientists had reprogrammed the sphere. The creatures were desperate to hear Giles' voice again, even if they didn't care to listen. The civil wars raged on until few of them remained. Those who lived eventually agreed to a treaty of sorts, hoping that one day their original planet would find them a way back home and they would be saved. When the portals had reopened a few hundred years ago, The creatures believed that time had finally come. Instead, it seemed Jael had found new organisms to serve her, the humans, forgetting about the creatures so desperate to hear her once again. The creatures hated the humans for this and devised a plan to destroy them until they realized some humans could hear Jael's voice. With that glimmer of hope, they remained in the darkness, observing and plotting the capture of members of the order who could reprogram the sphere. That was until they realized those who could hear Jael didn't seem adept at technology. Their excitement when the Order had finally decided to learn the ways of science was also short-lived. Jael had removed her voice from them, rendering Decretius' plans to use the humans useless once again. They had just about given up when a little royal girl stumbled into one of their caves. Delighted by the opportunity to finally torture one of the humans in their jealousy... They'd almost eliminated their chance at redemption until one among them recognized a sparkle in her energy. It belonged to only those whose frequencies naturally intersected with the ones their late scientists had programmed. With the exceptional find of a human connected to both technology and Jael, Tamina became their hope. Tamina smiled as she stared at the Earth calls. It had taken everything within her to journey halfway across the planet to find them. Turning behind her, She beguilingly smiled while whispering to two of her creatures, May our revenge be unendingly sweet.